0: Good morning. Greetings to you from Melbourne. I'm so glad for the opportunity to speak with you this morning. So grateful to Pastor Jack and Pastor Carol for the opportunity to speak across our locations today. You know, I've got a question for you. How are you doing? How are you doing? In this unprecedented sort of crazy year that we've all been experiencing, how are you doing? One of the favourite scriptures, uh, particularly from the book of Proverbs that I love so much, is Proverbs 4.23. Proverbs 4.23 says this, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. What a massive claim. Above all else, above all other considerations, watch... Or guard, some translations say, what's going on on the inside? I love the way the Passion uh, translation puts this verse. It says, So above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all of who you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your inmost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. Hey, watch what's going on on the inside. You know, some of you may know, but um, I've been providing suicide prevention uh, webinars uh, since uh, I think early July. We've now had uh, nearly 600 people undertake that training. And more recently, I've had the opportunity to do teacher uh, education and then we've been doing uh, stress uh, uh, webinars as well. One of the things that has become very obvious across Australia, but I think indeed across the world, is that people's anxiety has increased and depression has increased. And this has all been due to the fact that we've been in a season of change. Everything has changed. How we go about our lives have changed. You know, here in Victoria, we can't go out of our home without a mask on, Uh, heard our premier the other day saying, oh, this is now part of culture, and I I sort of want to resist that, don't want that to be part of culture. But we've all had to deal with massive changes. We've also had to deal with some loss. We've had loss of liberty, loss of freedom. Uh, Some uh, you know, have experienced a dramatic loss of income or loss of a business or loss of opportunity. And these things have contributed to issues around anxiety and depression. And the thing is, with anxiety and depression, you know, sometimes that's exhibited by people sort of going into themselves, you know, like going into their shell. You've probably heard that term, where they don't communicate, don't, you know, don't speak out. But at the other end of the spectrum, for others, it's increased anger and so family violence and You know, tension in homes and in relationships have increased as a result. Around this time last year, I preached a series that I simply entitled Margin. And I was teaching people how to live with margin in their life. Twelve months on, I'm amazed at what has happened in the lives of those who not just heard the word, but applied the word. I've seen marriages on the brink of breaking up now totally restored and love flowing between both parties. I've literally seen in a couple of of circumstances, people grab hold of the need for financial margin, and had they not, they would have now lost everything. And yet today, they've got a roof over their head, And money in their bank account. I've seen the pace of life for many just slow down a little bit and peace and joy and freedom come. One of the things that God spoke to me about with this opportunity to speak into all of our lives today is that as we at various paces begin to step out of lockdown. I know across Australia, every state's at a different spot. Uh, Some are more restricted, like where I live, some are are less restricted. But one one thing we know is that this is a season, it's going to pass. And we're needing to pivot and now consider there's more change coming. Like, how do we now live? What do we do? What are the lessons from the pandemic that we can learn how we've how we've been experiencing life this year. What are the things that we can take forward? You know, this, this pandemic has forced us to do things in new and varied ways. We've had to get creative. And some of that hasn't been bad. It's been a, it's been a good thing. You know, I was uh, reading a, a Harvard University study uh, the other day looking at uh, fathering in the pandemic. Now it's a US study, but surveying, Uh, 6,000 parents, they were saying that there was a 68% increase in fathers being involved with their kids as a result of the pandemic, and that had been rated by the kids as really, really positive. But we need to recognise that we're in the world, but we're not of the world. And the world will always try to push us to our limits. The world will always try to say, you need more. You need more of this and you need more of that. You need to accomplish more. You need to conquer more. You need to be more. But I would argue that most of us are living in an unbiblical way when we give in to that pressure of our culture. You know, the, the pressure to be always busy is almost insane today. Virtually everybody I know has little margin for error, little margin for making a mistake in the major portions of life. Now, some of you might be asking me the question or thinking it right now. Well, what exactly is margin? What are you talking about? Well, there's a a book by Dr. Richard Swenson called Margin. Pastors like Rick Warren, Craig Groeschel, John Bevere, would all say it's it's a truly remarkable teaching and one that's changed their lives. Dr. Swenson defines margin this way. He says, margin is the amount available beyond that which is necessary. It's the amount you have available beyond that which is necessary. I define it this way. It's the difference between what you have and what you need. So for instance, if I have 30 minutes to get somewhere and it takes me 20 minutes to get there, I have 10 minutes of margin. If I have $100 and something's gonna cost me $80, I have a $20 margin. It's the difference between what you have and what you need. But how does margin play out in the everyday life? Well, margin in your schedule might be showing up Five or ten minutes early for an appointment. In fact, I was always taught, you know, if you're there on time, you're late. You know, there's something about just getting there just a little bit early. Margin financially would be having money left over at the end of the month. Now, some of you are going to say to me, What is that? I never seem to be able to achieve that. Let me explain it slowly to you so you'll know what it is. It's having money left over at the end of the month. It's me looking at my budget and going, how can I reduce some of my spending so that there's a little bit of margin? That's a very life-changing thing. Margin is having the distance between you and temptation. Rather than being morally on the edge all the time, it's having preset buffers in your life to keep you from stumbling into life-destructive behavior. Margin could be the emotional capacity to deal with problems, like your child comes up, drops something on you, and you don't unleash on your child because you're overwhelmed. You've got an emotional capacity to be able to deal with their stuff and your stuff too. Margin could be having three or four nights a week where you don't have anything scheduled. And I know that for some of us, that's like, what is that? Margin could be having extra time or extra money to invest or give to people or ministries that make a difference for God. Margin could simply be having time to think and reflect and meditate and dream. Margin could be having a significant time with God. I'm convinced that the best things of life happen in the margins. The goodness of God is so often revealed in the margins of life. You know, I got thinking about that beautiful story in the Old Testament in the book of Ruth. You know, Ruth is just four chapters and it starts off tragically. There's Naomi. She has two uh, sons. Uh, she's married, but in the first chapter, her husband dies, her sons die, and there's two daughters-in-law. And she says to the daughters-in-law, "Look, you go back to your families. So I've got no more sons for you." And Orpha she goes back uh, to her to her family, but Ruth says to Naomi, "No, no." Your people shall be my people. Your God shall be my God. And so she makes her way with Naomi back to Bethlehem. Now, at Bethlehem, they're, you know, they're, they're destitute. There's no age pension or anything like that. They're, they're struggling. But one of the things that farmers practiced back in those days was something called gleaning. And gleaning was when they harvested. Their crops on the edge, or you could say the margin, they left that for the poor, the needy, for those from other countries who didn't have family, so that they could literally have something to eat. And for those in need, oh, the goodness of God was right there in the margin. Now, as you read the story of Ruth, of course, Ruth is harvesting, uh, you know, gleaning uh, the, the, the wheat. And, of course, the owner of the field, Boaz, notices her. And one thing leads to another. And you could read the story, but love develops and the rest is history. But you need to know that, you know, sometimes in our marriages, in our relationships, there's got to be a bit of margin how are you allowing for gleaning in the key relationships that you've got in your life? How are you allowing space just for time together, rich time together? Sometimes it's, it's about quality, not quantity, but you know, sometimes it is about quantity. It is having time together. You know, in the New Testament, there's another great story about margin. Two different women, one decided she didn't have enough margin. The other created margin and experienced something could, that could never be taken away from her. If you turn in your Bibles, turn to, with me to Luke chapter 10, verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, but Martha, hear it, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. It's interesting. We have two women with the exact same opportunity. We've got Mary and we've got Martha and Jesus, the son of God is present. Mary creates a moment. Mary stops all the other things that she could have been doing. I'm sure there was laundry, there were groceries she could have bought, there was tidying up she could have done. But in the midst of all of that, she creates a moment and it says, it's better for me to have a messy house and have a moment with Jesus than to get so distracted by all the things that I have to do that I miss the opportunity to interact with the Son of God. But Martha, on the other hand, was like many of us. She was distracted. She was stressed out. Interesting to me, she was not distracted by something that was bad or evil. She wasn't distracted by some sinfulness. She was actually distracted by what we might say was good things. In fact, in reality... Many of us are distracted by the same thing. She was thinking, okay, Jesus is in the house. He's like, like the rumor is, he's the son of God. Well, I better get out the good plates. I better make sure the candles are lit. I better make sure that the toilet paper matches the shower curtain because God forbid I make a foolish call like that with Jesus in the house. We've got to make sure that everything is just right And she was distracted by good things from best things. You know, Pastor Jack, in his book, His Last Command, our first priority, wrote these words. If Satan, our spiritual enemy, cannot make us really, really bad, he will try to make us really, really busy. Some of us are so busy doing lesser things that we miss out on the most important things. We're distracted from the very best things that God wants to bring into our life. Too many of us are consumed, obsessed, maybe even possessed, accomplishing the urgent. And what we think is important and we're missing out on the very important things of life. Mary and Martha were in this situation. And I think verse 40 is so funny when you read this. Verse 40, I'm going to read it from the message version. Martha, get this, Martha says to Jesus, the son of God, Master, don't you care that my sister has abandoned the kitchen to me? Tell her to lend me a hand. What's funny to me is that Martha thought she was absolutely correct. This is the important thing, getting dinner on the table for Jesus, failing to recognise he's the bread of life and he could feed her with food that was extraordinary that she'd never tasted before. I'm here doing this, says Martha, and she's just sitting there being lazy Jesus, take my side. And you know, therein lies the problem with me teaching a message like this. Because so many of us think that our mode of life is absolutely correct. Always being busy, always like living right at the edge, always filling up our schedule too much is almost the will of God. Where the will of God is something completely different. You know, we equate busyness too often with success. I've got to be busy to be successful. And you know, as we move out of this pandemic, if we are not careful, we will get really, really busy And we'll fail to hear the voice of God. We'll fail to experience the presence of Christ in our life. We'll fail to experience the goodness of God in our family and in our friends. Because we're living life without margin. You know, Jesus said this, "'Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction.'" and many enter through it but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only few find it the apostle paul said in romans 12:2 do not be conformed to the pattern of this world jesus says martha martha you're worried and upset about many things But only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will be not taken away from her. Here's what you and I have to understand. The choice is yours. The choice is yours. But you can say, well, but my boss. No, no, no. The choice is yours. You choose what is right. And it'll never be taken from you. Yeah, but my bank account is telling me, no, no, no. The choice is yours. The choice is yours. It should be obvious to you, but I'm going to say it anyway. What happens when we live a marginless life? What happens when margin decreases? Two things, and maybe you want to write them down. One, when margin decreases, stress Increases. Can I have an amen, even though I'm not going to be able to hear it? When you're running late, your margin decreases, and what happens? Your stress increases. Same is true financially. If your financial margin decreases, say what happens in your marriage? You start fighting. You spent what on what? No margin you know, something breaks. You've got two problems. One is that it's broken. And two, you've got to find some money to pay for that thing that was broken. The second thing is this, as your margin decreases, your relational intimacy also decreases. You see it all the time. You're frustrated, you're busy, you're challenged and your mind rarely disengages from that thing that's got your attention. So you're with somebody that you love, but you're there in body, but not there in heart and spirit. You're present, but you're not present. Your mind is still running. You can go on holidays, but if you've got no margin, you're not really there. You're always connected to work or, or something that is going on in your mind, causing you always to be distracted. You know, last year, before COVID, when we were able to go out for a meal, like oh, I'm longing just for the opportunity just to take Melissa and the girls out for a meal. We, we haven't been able to do that pretty much since March, where I live we saw, Melissa and I were out, and we saw a family of four across from us. And I, I just had this thought, oh, how lovely, the family's, you know, out together. And then I took a closer look. And I'm watching these four people in this lovely restaurant where we were, every one of them was on their mobile phone. One's Facebooking, somebody's texting, somebody's emailing, somebody's Twittering. You know what they're Twittering and emailing? Our family's out having a nice meal together. No, you're not. Stop your little Twittering. Quit playing with that little Twitter. You can quote me on that. I can't tell you how many times I run into people who say, I'll say to them, hey, I haven't seen you for a long time in church or haven't, you know, the last few months, haven't seen you for a long time online. Oh, I used to come, but I, but I got too busy. Oh, how's it going with you and God? Oh man, we, you know, we used to be close, I used to be into his word, but oh my gosh, I, I still praise, but pray, but you know, life's got so busy. You know, we can become too busy for people and too busy for God. You need to understand as I bring this to a close today, that Father God gives you margin. Hear what it says in Psalm 103 from verse 10. on those who fear him for he knows how we're formed and he remembers we are dust in the heart of god there is much margin he does not treat us as we deserve you know jesus gives us margin the apostle paul put it this way in romans chapter 5 reading from verse 6 Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more will we be saved from God's wrath through him? God's grace, we could say, is his margin in the heart of Father God, in the heart of Jesus, in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. There is a desire for God to meet us in the margins of that God creates for us. It is not God's will that you and I live with anxiety and stress and worry and depression and always live with no margin. If we're doing that, the reason is this. We're not trusting God. We're not trusting God. We're almost having the assumption we've got to do it to make it work. We've got to do it to make it a success. Rather than realising, hey, I'm loved by a God who will never let me go. I've got the backing of heaven behind me. In God, this is going to work out okay. This morning, believe that God would say to you, As he's saying to me, son, daughter, let margins come into your life. Let my margins come into your life. Seek me for wisdom and I'll give it. Seek me, seek me and you'll find me, says the Lord. You know, if there was a takeaway from this message today, it would be simply this. Hey, take five, take five every day. Take five minutes every day where you're not distracted by your phone or your emails or whatever, but you just give five minutes a day to God. Ask God to meet you in the margins. Ask God to show you how to grow your margins in your life, in your relationships, in your finances, in your mind, in your heart. I began this message by quoting that, scripture, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Margin is a great way to guard your heart. How am I doing in the margins of my life? I'd love to pray for you right now. Father, I'm asking today that Lord, you would give us wisdom lord to see lord where we can get more margin in our life lord thank you that your grace is the most extraordinary margin to us all thank you lord you do not treat us as we deserve thank you jesus that you demonstrate your love in this while we were still sinners you died for us thank you lord that you meet us lord right in the centre of our stress and anxiety, and you want to lead us in a better way. Father, I pray that as we're all making decisions day by day, how we might be pivoting, how we might be planning for this post-COVID and post-pandemic and what that might look like. Father, I, might, I, I pray that you might cause us just to take five. Take five. Take five each day and just... Lord, enable your spirit to speak to us. Enable a a, a moment where we would just be still before you and allow you to lead us and guide us. Father, I ask that you would bless your people. I pray that you would grow their intimacy with you. And I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, church, God bless. So good to be with you today.